The Lord has put on my heart today to, to talk to you on this Memorial Day weekend about the moral imperative and the fact that it's, it's our turn now. Yes. Turn to somebody and say, it's our turn now. Scripture says in Psalm 33, 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen. Is there anybody here that still believes that? Amen. Say that when we blessed Bless. is the nation is the whose God, God is, the Lord. is the Lord. Now when I say the word moral, I mean concerned with the principles of right and wrong behavior and the goodness or badness of human character. And this is based on an absolute truth. There is right and wrong. There is truth and there is error. And no matter what you hear out there, there is a defining source of truth for us as believers, and it is the Word of God. There has to be something bigger than us, something more authoritative than us. It's not His truth and her truth and our truth, it's the truth. And it's the truth of the Word of God. By imperative, I mean of vital importance or crucial, essential or urgent. It is now more than ever urgent and crucial, of vital importance, urgent that you and I address the issue of right and wrong in this nation Amen. and not be ashamed or bashful or intimidated to do so. And not just a few people, amen, but the body of Christ as a whole. The point is that taking action now is of vital and critical importance and it's the absolute thing to do. There's a disease that's crept into the thinking of Americans all over the country and virtually all over the world, and it comes in the form of a thing called wokeism. And that idea is simply this, that you know, society is sleeping when it comes to injustice and ignorances and situations that they don't have any understanding of. We are ignorant of things like gender fluidity. We're ignorant of what people are going through. Let me tell you what this is really all about. This is nothing more than a form of humanistic Gnosticism. The Gnostics in the, in, the, in the times of Jesus, in the times of the Apostle Paul, they thought they had secret wisdom and knowledge no one else had. And the rest of everybody else was basically stupid. It's the same principle today. You and I are just too stupid to get it. We are not woke. <laughs> in reality, it's not a revelation. In reality, it's a deception. And watch it, where once again human beings are put at the center of the universe instead of God Most High. Yeah. Yes. Nothing new under the sun, the writer of Ecclesiastes said. The history of this nation and its founding is actually the real target. The goal is to de-Christianize the United States of America. Yes. And if we just sit there and let it happen then shame on us. Yep. Scared, intimidated, put in our place, quiet as a mouse. I'm telling you what, those days are over. Amen. These people aren't seers. They don't have revelation. They do not have a, a real wokeness in their life. And in fact, because they say they see, Jesus said they're blind still. The sacrifices made since the Revolutionary War in danger of causing, you know, we're in danger of losing what they actually produce for you and for me. And the bottom line is it's our time to fight. I saw a video a few, a few months ago, and it was a hundred-something-year-old decorated warrior from World War II, and he began to talk about the fact that he no longer recognized our nation. And he's talked about all the problems and the issues and the compromise and the backward thinking. And now so many people that have a morality and a sense of right and wrong are saying nothing and doing nothing. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I don't even recognize the nation I fought and so many of my brothers died for. Yep. 
That's the truth. You hear people criticize and put down this nation all over this country, and they never even traveled outside of this nation to find out what's really going on in this world. If they traveled just six months throughout the world, they come back and kiss the ground when they landed the plane. Because it was founded in integrity and honor in terms of its dedication to God. Not perfect. You're dealing with a mindset that says, if it's not perfect, burn it down. Now, I say if it's not perfect, improve, but recognize what it is. This nation was founded by a covenant being made willfully, amen, between the founders and Almighty God. That's never happened in the history of mankind. God made a covenant with the people of Israel, but Americans made a covenant with Almighty God. Can I tell you something? He is not one to give up on his covenant. And he does not turn his back on his remnant. Are you here today? The present condition of the United States, listen very carefully to this, and the, and the consequences that come with it are going to be severe if we don't do something. That's right. Right. Isaiah 5.20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I like to tell you that's just happening out there in government and in industry and in business, but it's even happening in pulpits across the country. People have forgot what the absolute authority is. That word woe is very, very powerful and troubling. Jesus used it the most. But in Isaiah, he says woe. What that means is grief, anguish, affliction, wretchedness, calamity, or trouble, impending judgment, and the wrath of God. Let me sum it up for you. Woke is bringing woe. How did we get here? What's the nature of this spiritual warfare that we're involved in, that it's our turn to fight? Well, first of all, it, it happens because we allow things. We become desensitized to things. Exposure until it loses its shock value. This has been going on now for decades. The second step is accept or to destigmatize, to push for a loss of shame over that situation, over that behavior, until it's accepted by both the sinner as well as society. You're dealing with a nation now and a people that no longer have shame. We don't want people walking under condemnation that have repented of their sins. But look, if you're in sin and you're doing something that's not appropriate, you should feel shame. But when you destigmatize something, there's a loss of shame. The third step is to affirm it or to normalize it, to reclassify something as an unsin and consider it perfectly normal. Can I tell you something? We can declassify all the sins we want to, but they will still be classified as sins in the eyes of God. And that's not enough to allow, to accept, to affirm. Then there has to be those that advocate or evangelize on behalf of this behavior and this worldview. To recruit activists to push the agenda and marginalize those who do not. This is where it's going. It's not enough for you just to be tolerant. It's not enough for you to say, let people live their lives. It's not enough for you to say, they're, they're Americans too, they're human beings too, God loves them. They want you to actually advocate for what they do. And if you don't do that in the next few years, you're going to be under the microscope and under attack yourself. It's the idea that, uh, you know, in Nazi Germany, they didn't come for me, so who cares? Well, eventually they ran out of people to take care of you that were left. 
Proverbs 14 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So just by declassifying something as a sin does not remove the reproach. Because it is God and His Word that defines sin, not man, not government, not even preachers. The Word defies sin, and because the sin is there, the reproach is there as well. And it's so thick right now, you can almost cut it with a knife. Galatians 4.16, I was talking to my brother shortly after service the other night, and he brought this scripture up. It's so powerful a principle, because that's the position that those of us in that are up here saying, you know what, we committed when we were ordained to preach the truth and do it in love. But to what? To preach the truth. My brothers and my sisters, it is not love when you don't preach the truth. Paul said to the Galatians 4.16, Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Well, I got news for you, and I believe there are many in this room that feel the same way. We are prepared to be the enemy of the enemy if it means standing for the truth. Let me talk to you briefly about the root of wokeism. Before I talk about sacrifices that those that uh, would say it's my turn now should be willing to make in this hour. And then I want to talk to you about uh, what do we do to engage our part. The root of wokeism is selfishness, plain and simple. Say that with me. The root of wokeism is selfishness. My gender identity. Don't care about anybody else. Don't care about the kids, the parents, the grandparents, the side. Don't care about anybody. It's my gender identity. Me. It's my triggers that matter. You trigger me when you misgender me. You trigger me when you, quote, give me hate speech. And all you have to do to be labeled a hate speaker is simply tell somebody the truth. You're a hater if you don't agree with the people in this country today. Everybody ought to be able to have a normal discourse about their own opinion about things without being labeled Nazi and hater and bigot and heretic. Are you here today? What happened when we can't do that anymore? Now, if you don't agree, you're a hater. (laughs) Compare that to the triggers of the greatest generation and beyond. Triggers like Pearl Harbor. How's that for a trigger? How about Hamburger Hill and the Nomera? How's that for a trigger? How about the Battle of the Bulge? How's that for a trigger? How about Hacksaw Ridge? That's a trigger. You not getting your person elected is not means to break down in the middle of Yale University and have a cry fest. Somehow, some way, if our nation was plunged into war, somehow, some way, people would rise up to the task. But these folks can't even tie their shoes without having a breakdown. Why? Because this society decided to cater to their selfishness. This generation, the greatest generation, cared about something bigger than themselves. My uh, dad's uncle Johnny, 
His name was John Urban. They called him Jocko, and he lived to be, I think, 91, 92, which is a miracle considering all the action he saw in World War II, and he never talked about it. But in his 80s, um, he wrote a letter to the editor of the Staunton, Illinois, uh, I believe the paper is called The, the, the New Leader. And this is, this is what he said. And this is a man who has paid for a right to speak. To the editor, the other day someone told me that a methamphetamine lab had been found in an old farmhouse. He asked the questions, why didn't we have a drug problem when we were growing up? He said, I did have a drug problem when I was growing up. I had a drug problem when I was drugged to church on Sunday morning. I was drugged to weddings and funerals. I was drugged to family reunions and community socials, no matter what the weather. I was drugged by my ears when I was disrespectful to adults. I was drugged to the woodshed when I disobeyed my parents, told a lie, brought home a bad report card, did not speak with respect, spoke ill of the teacher or the preacher. Yes, amen. <laughs> <laughs> or if I didn't put forth my best effort in everything that was asked of me. I was drugged to the kitchen sink if I uttered a profane word. I do know what lies soap tastes like. Child abuse, child abuse. I was drugged to pull weeds in mom's flower garden and in dad's vegetable garden. I was drugged to the homes of family, friends, and neighbors to help some poor soul who had no one to mow the yard, repair the clothesline, or chop some firewood. And if my mother had even known that I took a single dime as a tip for this kindness, she would have drugged me back to the woodshed. These drugs are still in my veins, and they affect my behavior in everything I do say and think. They're stronger than cocaine, crack, or heroin. And if today's children had this kind of drug problem, America would be a better place today. Amen. He said, for a total of 1,250 miles, I also drugged through, walked, and crawled in 12 different countries for three years in World War II. Africa, Sicily, Normandy, France, Belgium, Germany, to mention a few, in the combat infantry. I did not need crack, cocaine, or heroin to do the job. Wake up, America, before it's too late. Amen. Even more prophetic, you know, 12, 15 years later. What these people went through is just unconscionable. And they come back and said, to crawl into a hole, they built this nation. My gender identity, my triggers, my pronouns, my, my, mine. These are my pronouns. I'm sorry, but if you tell me your pronouns are they and them, I am not going to indulge your selfishness. Amen. Unless there are two of you and your twins, I'm not calling you they. My accommodation. Roll out the red carpet for me. Bow for me. My feelings, my words, my victim mentality. Senator Scott in South Carolina the other day uh, announced his candidacy for president. And with a video, he called it victim mentality. He said that uh, we have raised an entire generation of those with victim mentalities. He's very, very blunt about it. He said, um, if you're able to work, then go work. Get a job. Amen. Are you here today? He said, uh, if you take out a loan, pay it back. There's an idea. 
Come on, say it. I refuse to be a victim. Say it again. I refuse to be a victim. But this is all where this wokeism comes from. It's all about selfishness. Woke equal selfishness. Selfishness equals sin. And sin equals death. How dare Christians partner with this nonsense? You be loving and kind to people without agreeing with their error. So the notion of go woke, go broke, it's bigger than it's ever been. And it's true. Companies are so bought into this selfishness, this me ideology of wokeism, they're willing to commit financial suicide to support it. That's when you know there's a demon involved in this situation. When companies will absolutely act counter to their best interests, counter to the best interests of their stakeholders and their employees and their cities and their states where they pay taxes. I really thought that Bud was wiser than that. I, I just... I mean, I remember the frogs going, Bud, wiser. And have you noticed how badly Target missed the mark? $10 billion in lost valuation. And I got to hand it to these American 20 to 30 year old mamas. They're on fire. All I got to say is go get them, ladies. Adidas selling tuck it in suits. If you have to tuck it in, you shouldn't be wearing a woman's suit. North Face is telling us to come out for summer. Some of them just need to stay in. The L.A. Dodgers invited a sacrilegious, Christ-dishonoring and church-defaming group of people to make fun of Catholic nuns. They actually put up a crucifix outside the park, given permission to do it. One person was hanging on a cross as they basically defied what Jesus did for us. The other one used it as a stripper's pole. In this nation, we had confusion over bathrooms. Children's hospitals, world class, are doling out hormone therapy and hormone blockers with a template letter from a single visit from a counselor. That's it. That's all the foreknowledge. That's all the clearing. That is all the counsel. That's it. In some cases, against parental will. Men and girls sports. I know what it takes for someone to excel, for example, in swimming. I know that some of these girls started out five, six years old, worked their tails off all their lives to get into a position of a national championship, NCAA championship, world championship, Pan Am Games, or the Olympics. And have somebody who was born already permanently enhanced to compete against her is outrageous. So I want to make this as clear as I possibly can. If you're born with a winky, you swim with the boys. And that's just. Well, no, I. Yeah, and if you can't see the Word of God and that foundation right now, you're already being sucked into this thing.
Well, the moral imperative is that it's our turn now. Our men and women, they've given their lives. They did their part. Against all odds, they defeated great evil. Now it's our time. You may not sacrifice your life, but in all likelihood you will sacrifice your reputation. But Jesus said what? And Paul echoed the same concept. He basically is not interested in his reputation. He's interested in the will of God. There will be slander, innuendo, character assassination to try to marginalize and silence those in the church of Jesus Christ who dare walk out here and say, it's my turn. There'll be criticism. Some of it will come from the pacifist church. What they don't realize is doing nothing in the face of evil is in itself evil. They say things like, just preach the gospel. Can I tell you something? That's what we've been doing. We've been preaching the gospel the past decades and look what has happened. It's not enough to preach the gospel. You must walk it out. Sometimes you must confront evil. Preach the gospel, but don't be silent in the face of evil. For Moses was not. John the Baptist was not. Elijah was not. Amen. Jeremiah was not. Paul was not. We shouldn't be silent either. You might be called names and labeled. Wonderful things like racist or bigot or Nazi. Did you know that the Republican Party now and all conservatives are Nazis? Didn't know that. I'm kind of confused because based on history, I remember that it's the Nazis who tried to take guns away from the people. I remember it was the Nazis who were persecuting people of faith. And I remember it was Nazis who were experimenting and cutting on the genitals of kids. Will a real Nazi stand up? They'll call you a hater. Truth sounds like hate to those who refuse to accept it. Call you names and vilify you. Amen. You may have lost opportunities. In this cancel culture, that's entirely possible. But you still haven't given up your life in, in the service of God. Financial hits. Cancel culture ostracization. It's better to be canceled by the world than celebrated by them. Threats against people of faith. We have yet to know the full disclosure of the manifesto of the shooter in Nashville at a Christian school. You want to know why? Because it's filled with hatred and violent threats towards people of faith. And they just flat don't want that being associated with a certain community who's rising up with more and more hate. Hebrews 12, 4 tells us in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. From the Amplified, you've not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. We have a moral imperative. It's our turn now. Come on, shout it out. It's my turn, it's my turn. Now. now. Our forefathers and our, those that sacrificed, women and men, they did their part. You just can't sit behind a pulpit preaching the gospel and having our church services and thinking we have no moral obligation for the future of this nation. That's 
Because we do. So what's our role? Just take these down, if you would. I want you to meditate on them. Number one, we need to wake up. It's time to wake up from the slumber and apathy as our nation goes to hell in a handbasket. The phrase hell in a handbasket just simply means deteriorating very, very quickly. Is that not what's happened? In the 19th century, the, the phrase was associated with the American gold rush. In the 1840s, they'd put men in handbaskets down these shafts into the darkness to explore, disregarding the consequences along the way. Many of them died. You and I need to make sure that we do everything we can, amen, to expose the darkness by, amen, shining the light of Jesus Christ into these situations. The Bible tells us to awake to righteousness. You're not woke when you're woke to perversion. You're woke when you awake to righteousness. Say, I am awake, I am awake to, righteousness. to righteousness. We, as the body, have to wake up. Number two, we need to clean up. Amen. Whatever doesn't belong in your life, in your thinking, in your behavior, in your motives, purify. Wake up and clean up. Number three, suit up. You've never needed the full armor of God more than you need it right now. You need to put on intentionally every day the helmet of salvation so that your mind is covered and you're thinking the thoughts of God. Are you here today? You need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Walk it in a consciousness as you're in right standing with God. Amen. You're not on the side of error. You're on the side of right. Amen. You need to pick up that shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil. No matter what he throws at you, as long as you'll hold on that shield and bring it up, you will be protected. You need to make sure that you have the belt of truth on. Not the belt of philosophy or wokeism, but the belt of truth on. You need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Be ready at an instant to swing that sword on behalf of truth. Have your feet shod with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. When you step, you're sure-footed, not in compromise, not intimidated, but ready to go to battle, to rush in the battle. Interesting thing about the armor is there's nothing to protect the back of the soldier. Nothing. Why? Because we don't retreat. And God is calling the body of Christ to stop retreating. Stop retreating. Stop the silence. Stop the pretend. Stop ignoring. And run in there with all what you've been given. Your warfare weapons, the Bible says, are not carnal. They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You have supernatural on the armor of God. And you're going to need it in these days. Wake up, clean up, suit up, and pray up. Keep your vital union with God. That's where you have the knowledge and the will to fight. That's where you have the wisdom and the revelation. That's where God exposes what they're doing. That's where God gives you the plan, how to respond, how to react to what's going on. Number five, bind up. Bind up those mind-blinding spirits and principalities. The Bible says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. When you see something like going on with Budweiser or Miller or with North Face or with Target or with some other situation, when you see it on TV or you read about it, stop right there and say, I bind up that trash in Jesus' name. I'm not just going to complain about it or talk about it. I bind it up in Jesus' name. Come on, say it with me. I bind that. In Jesus' name. Could you imagine what 50, 60 million born-again Christians saying, I bind that up in Jesus' name. It'll begin to disappear. It'll be a supernatural pushback. They won't even know why they're doing the right thing. Too much complaining. 
Too much barking and not enough binding. Come on, say it. I bind it in Jesus' name. We laugh about it, and it is laughable, but let's do more than laugh. Number six, stand up. Become the obstruction and obstacle for the forces of hell to deal with. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Be that bulwark right in the midst of that situation. Be that immovable rock that says, no, I am not going to get out of the way. And then last, speak up. Speak the truth in love. But dear God, speak the truth. Speak the truth in love without respect to the blowback or repercussions. That's not my responsibility. It is every believer's responsibility. This nation went to war and the president called us to war and declared war on the nation of Japan and talked about the infamy of that date and how without provocation and through deception we were attacked. We're going through something right now that's far worse. At a time like that, it's all hands on deck. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because James 4.17 says to him, who knows to do good and doeth it not. To him, it is sin. To their selfish wokeism and their agenda, we add silence. To their sin, we add our sin. Say it with me with all your heart. Wake up. up. Clean up. up. Suit up. up. Pray up. up. Bind up. Stand up. Stand up. Speak, up. Speak up. It's our turn. Amen. Say it, it's my turn. It's my turn. They did their part. Amen. And they've entrusted this nation to us. God will allow this nation to go wherever its people want to go. And you and I are not some little piddly minority in this country. Despite it all, we are still the voice of reason. And I want to encourage you today to find some time with the God that you serve and lay this out before me. Say, Father, show me what my part is in this. You have to use some wisdom. You operate in, in gates of business or government or education. You're under scrutiny and you must use wisdom because you're being knocked out because you didn't use wisdom is not going to help us either. There's going to come a time where there's going to be a line line drawn and you're going to have to resolve that I'm going to have to just speak the truth in love boldly in this situation. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet with me. Let's pray over this.